The information that you receive on Exclusively Inclusive Podcast is designed to be a learning experience for patients and listeners in order to supplement their own information so they can be better equipped to be advocates in their own healthcare journey. The opinions expressed by Erin Everett are the opinions of her own and do not represent any third parties or separate entities. In addition, the specialists that present on the show are also here to supplement your own healthcare information and are not designed to replace any treatment plans or information you're receiving from your own healthcare specialists. We hope that you enjoy the show and continue to subscribe and listen in. There are many ways that we can approach gender affirmation for gender non-binary people. Of course, some of those approaches include hormones, but not all of them do. Sometimes it can include surgeries and non-surgical options as well. And sometimes people just need education on those things and aren't necessarily seeking hormonal transition. Welcome to Exclusively Inclusive, your source for the latest in LGBTQIA healthcare, transgender HRT, and personal empowerment. Here's your host, Erin Everett. Hey everybody, welcome to Exclusively Inclusive. I'm your host, Erin Everett, nurse practitioner. I'm really excited to be talking to you guys today as our subject is going to be about non-binary, gender non-conforming, or genderqueer individuals. I think it's really important that we discuss this because there's been a lot more talk about it in the community, but some people aren't sure what that means. And as we've mentioned before in previous episodes, when we're talking about trans masculine, trans feminine, there are definitely people though, who identify as gender fluid, which is also the reason why I try to refer to the community as a whole as gender diverse, because people land on the gender spectrum at different places. And we have touched on it when I had Tally on the show about how the gender spectrum exists as far as gender identity, but then also gender expression. So sometimes people may not express their gender the way that they identify, and that can also change on a daily basis. The gender expression can. Where for the most part, once people have identified their gender, they kind of sit there. Sometimes, of course, it can be fluid and it could change, but the gender expression is what mostly changes for a lot of people. And so under that umbrella of non-binary are very common terms, and some of those include gender fluid, gender ambiguous, pangender, neutroi, gender bender, gender blender, gender expansive, gender queers one, two, um, and androgynous. Androgynous was probably the most well-known one a long time ago, but now we have, you know, more accepted terms in the community, such as gender fluid. Basically what it means to be gender nonconforming or non-binary means that you don't necessarily fit into the binary, which is the two-part world that we live in, which was socially constructed. So instead of using pronouns such as she and her or he and his, a lot of patients who identify this way will use pronouns such as they, them, and theirs. And there are definitely other gender-neutral pronouns that can be used less commonly probably, um, would be Z, Zer, Zer, Zers, and Zerself. Another one that I learned about that I had not heard before was Per, Per, Pers, and Perself. So that one was interesting and new for me as well. But I would say the vast majority of people, when they're non-conforming, non-binary, they usually use the pronouns they, them, and theirs. 
So as far as providing uh, care for gender nonconforming and non-binary uh, people, it's really important that if you are in the healthcare system in any kind of way providing care, it's really important that you give the option to mark that as a preferred gender on the intake paperwork. Some offices will put down what was your sex assigned at birth and then also your preferred gender or gender identification. Um, this way, it gives people an opportunity to express their preferred gender without necessarily having to have a conversation about it. And that just helps normalize it. There are many ways that we can approach gender affirmation for gender non-binary people. Of course, some of those approaches include hormones, but not all of them do. Sometimes it can include surgeries and non-surgical options as well. And sometimes people just need education on those things and aren't necessarily seeking hormonal transition. But for people that are pursuing hormonal transition, one thing that I like to have a conversation with them about is, okay, well, if you're non-binary and on the spectrum, what, what kind of hormones are you looking to seek and how are you looking to express in a sense? So some people who tend to be on the more feminine spectrum would, would have been assigned male at birth and have typical biological male parts might just decide to block their testosterone for a little while. And we can do that with an androgen blocker. Sometimes they want a low-dose androgen blocker and a low-dose estrogen option. Sometimes long-term or sometimes just for a short time just to see how they feel on it. Um, some you know, uh, non-binary people just want some breast bud formation. Um, and then they opt to come off of the hormones. Because again, not all <clears throat> people who identify as uh, feminine who are assigned male at birth necessarily have genital dysphoria. So they still might want to be able to function actively uh, with their genitals, but, you know, want to have some breast bud formation or other kind of emotional changes and a little bit of fat redistribution. And that can all be achieved with low doses as well. And, you know, I always tell my patients, you're in charge of this. Like, as long as you're not going over uh, my maximum recommended daily dose of hormones, which is what I would prescribe for um, a trans female, then it's up to you how you want to dose it. You can, you know, for one week, try the androgen blocker every day. If you don't like the way that feels, do it every other day. There's really no harm uh, because you're still producing hormones and also we're giving low-dose hormones. So there's no concern about not having enough hormones because a lot of people think that if they don't do full transitional doses that they're going to be damaging their bones or impacting their heart um, health. And that's just not necessarily true. For people who kind of identify more as uh, on the mes masculine spectrum, but it's still non-binary, I often offer low-dose testosterone options if they're looking for hormones. Again, it's a conversation you need to have with people, like what does it look like, what kind of secondary sex characteristics are you looking to change, and then depending on what their preferences are, sometimes we have to have the conversation of, okay, well, that's probably not realistic. I cannot guarantee that I can give you a deeper voice without any additional facial or body hair growth. That can be really tricky. You know, and again, for people coming in who don't want their voice deeper, then I discourage them from using testosterone because it's hard for me to say at what dose testosterone will change uh, the vocal cords. But testosterone almost always lengthens the vocal cords, which is irreversible and results in a deeper voice. So if people are very skittish about that and definitely don't want that as a side effect, then I definitely caution them on even taking testosterone, period. For some people who want, you know, their their menstrual cycle to stop, 
we can do higher doses of testosterone, but that also would result in uh, more pronounced secondary sex characteristics, which means, you know, facial hair growth, you know, sometimes two clitoral enlargements, libido changes, mood changes, deepening of the voice, those types of things. So because some of the low doses won't stop the menstrual cycle. So if that's the goal, but they don't want the higher dose of testosterone, we do have other options as well. Some of the other options really include um, doing some sort of progestin. Um, Progestin is a synthetic progesterone that is prescribed in different types of contraceptives. But contraceptives, you know, is a broad term. It's not always prescribed for birth control. You know, there's different progesterone IUD options that will reduce the frequency of the cycle. And then if you use one like Mirena, the cycle almost always goes away 90% of time. So if that's causing a lot of dysphoria, but you don't want to do higher doses of testosterone, then I just connect you with, you know, um, a safe uh, gynecologist. And I mean safe, like someone who's culturally competent in the gender diverse community. So that when you go over there, you have a positive experience as well, not just for your health care, but also for uh, your social needs. So, and when you get to that gynecologist too, they can also talk about other options uh, like the intramuscular uh, progesterone shots. There's a Nexplanon, which is implanted underneath the skin. That one lasts for three years. And then, of course, like I just mentioned before, the marine IUD. There's like three different main types that I'm aware of of IUDs. And each have their pluses and minuses. And a gynecologist would go over that because they're the ones that insert it. But those are just options really if people are having um, dysphoria about their menstrual cycle. Also, too, if they want birth control, because um, sometimes people are still having penetrative intercourse with biological males. And so it's really important to prevent pregnancy. Hey, everyone, I have a quick favor to ask. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment and just clicking the subscribe button on whichever platform you use to listen to my show, that would be wonderful. Not only does it allow you to get notified every time I publish an episode, but it also helps with my ratings and reviews, which what that means in podcast world is that I'm able to climb up in the rating scale and reach other listeners. The whole reason why I started this show is to access people who needed the information. So please just go ahead and click subscribe. Then we can all be happy and continue to listen to this good quality free information. Thank you so much. One of the other surgical options too, to stop the menstrual cycle, and this could result in uh, sterility or infertility, I should say, uh, would be uterine ablation or hysterectomy. So um, depending on your age and your desire to procreate at some point, then those also could be discussed with your gynecologist. One of the other things, too, for um, transmasculine or non-binary people who are on the masculine spectrum would be to discuss how long they want to take the low-dose testosterone. So one other thing, too, that needs to be discussed when you know talking with people about their low-dose testosterone or low-dose estradiol is how long they want to stay on it. They may not know uh, when we first start prescribing it, but it is an option that some people don't know of that you can just take hormones for a short amount of time and then discontinue. Once you discontinue, as long as you still have your ovaries or your testicles, they will take over and continue to produce your original hormone that you had before. The only concern is if you do end up getting your gonads, either your testicles, your ovaries removed, is that for, for whatever reason, if you get a therapeutic orchiectomy or hysterectomy, 
or you've had some sort of gender affirming surgery and those uh, parts are no longer in place, then long term hormone replacement therapy needs to be discussed because otherwise then we're looking at decreased bone mineral density and negative impacts on your cardiovascular system. And at that point, you can have a discussion with me or somebody else, either the person that's prescribing your hormones, um, about what type of hormone you want. So you might want to, if you've had a therapeutic orchiectomy, talk about still getting a, a compounded cream that has testosterone in it as well. I mean, there's many different options. And it's really, when it comes to the gender spectrum and providing care for people who identify as non-binary, the conversation is just very different and more specialized than those who are trans male or trans female, because it's really kind of, well, I mean, I don't like to say cherry picking, but it is kind of a more selective process and trying to tailor the care to these people and make sure that it's very individualized because there's no one right or wrong way of doing this. I briefly mentioned some of the uh, affirming surgeries and procedures for non-binary people. Some of those can include um, chest reconstruction or breast augmentation and genital surgeries. So, you know, some people don't want to do the transitional dose of testosterone, but do want their breasts removed. And so we can offer the breast reconstruction surgery. And again, non-binary people who are more on the feminine spectrum can decide to get breast augmentation or breast implants if they didn't get a good response from their low-dose hormones or if they opt out of low-dose hormones altogether. There are definitely people that go on to have vaginal metatoidoplasty uh, without having an official hormone replacement therapy program. There's also some non-binary people that might want to go on to get vaginoplasty. And again, then the testicles would be removed, but they might want to get vaginoplasty but not get breast implants and then just go on to do low-dose female hormones or even add a little bit of testosterone back in. But those are some of the like surgical options, but there's also non-surgical options to kind of help with dysphoria, such as packing, tucking, binding, and some of those things that people might just need coaching on because they're not aware of. Um, there's also, you know, getting rid of facial hair. Someone who's non-binary but as on the feminine side might want to be still appearing as somewhat male, but really hate their facial hair. So things that you could offer potentially would be referring them to someone who does electrolysis um, and those types of things. You know, I think one of the hardest things for people who identify as non-binary is navigating their documentation in medical records and legal identification. Currently, I think California uh, might be offering this option, but definitely not where I'm at in Georgia, not offering any kind of non-binary pronoun selection on driver's licenses, passports, state IDs. And also, depending on the clinic that they're going to, there's not a great way to document you know, the non-binary pronoun status. So at our clinic, when people are coming in, we document all that and we do offer it on our intake paperwork for them to identify their assigned sex at birth, but also what their preferred gender identification is. We also do a good job of documenting it through the chart, their preferred pronouns and uh, gender identification. That way patients don't have to feel like they're coming in every single time and reminding people, hey, these are my preferred pronouns. But not every clinic is going to be so accommodating. And so that's one of the biggest struggles is even if we can get clinics to get on board with LGBTQ care in general, often it's very still binary where they're catering to transmit men and trans females, but the non-binary group has been, you know, kind of left out a little bit. So we're working harder to increase awareness, you know, of people who don't 
fit into the binary world. And actually, I think Michelle may have mentioned it on her episode, but, you know, she mentioned that non-binary people might be way more ahead of the game when it comes to deconstructing social constructs and just living as the true selves and not conforming to anybody's preconceived notions of what they should look like. And actually really, you know, I really love that. Um, I love some of my most interesting uh, patients that identify as non-binary and that somewhat it's like an art expression because they get to come in and express exactly how they feel without worrying about being masculine or feminine. Um, It's just kind of, I am who I am. And it's really, it's really awesome, actually. Well, I just wanted to give you guys a brief segment on non-binary care and what all that means and kind of explain what the gender spectrum and the pronoun options are. So hopefully you've learned something so you can continue to educate those around you so we can get more accepting of everybody on the gender spectrum and using pronouns such as they, them. It'd also be really nice to be able to go out in public, and I myself don't like getting mammed, so I'm sure somebody who doesn't identify as female doesn't like it either. Um, But get to a place where in society we're not assuming people's preferred pronoun based on how their gender expression looks. Okay, everybody, thanks for tuning in, and until next time, remember to stay fierce and live your truth.